giant robot smashing into other giant robots. This is the giant robot smashing into other giant robots podcast, where we explore the design, development, and business of great products. I'm your host, Lindsay Christensen. And I'm your other host, Chad Fitel, and we're back with Alistair from Takeometrics. Alistair, how you been the last month? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much and uh, excited to be back. How is your Monday going so far? It's uh, it's going well. I just had a very relaxing July 4th weekend and uh, it's been a good start. We have our all-hands meeting every Monday and uh, this is the first all-hands of a full week going into the second half of the year. So I think just excited for Q3 and, and the second half of the year. And uh, it's almost like halftime. We had we had this discussion in the leadership team. You know, you've had one half of the, the game and the second half is a fresh, clean start. So we're excited. So was today's all hands the time where the team is failing and you call them all into the locker room and give an inspirational speech and then they they win in the second half? Or is it telling them, you know, don't get cocky. We've done great so far in the game and we just need to hold it together. Um, well, you, you know, I think if we're doing it right, we have the, the the consistent all hands cadence. So, you know, we've been sharing performance week on week and uh, throughout the quarter. And I think the story that we've been presenting the team and where I w- have wanted everyone to get on the same page is that we had a bit of a slow start to the year in Q1. And then we had this unprecedented issue, which is, of course, COVID and actually really important cultural issues affecting everyone, I would say, outside of the business. But there's some really bright spots and actually just celebrating what those are. And I think now we're starting to see some early indicators of the revenue and growth tracking and catching up. So as you know, Chad, it's Unlike sports, where there is sort of almost one objective, typically, there are maybe sort of three or four or five or multidimensional things. So I think it's a combination of making sure that we call out the strategic wins and also the objective progress. And that's what we did today. And it it was a good warm up for me because we've got our board meeting on the 15th. So using the team to actually have that narrative, I think is a great warm up. And and then there's a bonus because it's the same conversation that I'm having with the board. Then I go back to the team and sort of translate some of that. And, and I find that useful. And I think the leadership team finds that useful too, to just keep that transparency. Well, I'll uh, keep the sports metaphor going. Because when you're training, it's important to take rest days And I'm curious how you sort of manage your own personal schedule to balance your energy. Right. That's a great topic. I, you know, once upon a time was a uh, competitive runner. I actually ran for the Great Britain national team in the 800 meters. And that's one of the opportunities that led me to come into the United States. So, you know, running has always been a really important part of my life. And in many ways, it, there's a lot of analogies to entrepreneurship and, you know, building products and, and, and really running a business. I mean, it's, it's definitely a ups and downs type thing and, you know, similar to sports. And there is just one really important principle, which is hard work, especially in running. You know, there's, there is no way to be successful without 
putting in the quality work. And it's great to see the direct correlation between effort and focus and results. And it is very objective. And at Takeometrics, you know, as our name indicates, we are a, a data-driven company. And that was the same with running. It was always, to me, was how far can you push your body? You know, are you going to accept the natural or the self-imposed like limit or ceiling on on your time? I mean, is it whatever you're trying to do? Are you able to go faster, basically? And, and can you beat that last time? So I've really enjoyed that. And similar to trying to hit a barrier like, you know, 15 million in ARR, 20 million in ARR, or in the beginning, just a million in ARR, whatever the number is, whatever stage you're at. I've really enjoyed sort of thinking about that. And and now I'm on the personal side, you know, I, I didn't, you know, perform as well as I would like in running. You know, I wanted to go to the Olympics and, you know, I had run with people and competed with people who did end up going there. So this is just a way to channel that energy into something new. But more importantly, I think now I'm doing it with, you know, over 150 people as we grow our company and actually changing the lives of our customers and and hopefully the industry. So unlike running, which it just sort of the reward was just my own personal gain, it's more powerful to do it as a company. In terms of your question, though, about downtime, it's a really good one, you know, trying to think through the rest period and letting your muscles build up and of course, there's the classic overtraining. So I think those analogies are very similar again to work and you know being an entrepreneur and building a startup. So from my perspective, you know I've got to word this correctly because I I, I want to make sure I don't come across as you know odd. Um, <laughs> you I, can I really come across enjoy as working. Odd. It's okay. You're, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're in good company anyway. Uh, I really enjoy working. Like I've never had a job. I've never worked for anyone. I've never had a resume. I'm not sure, Chad. Maybe you're in the same boat. But I'm sort of cut from a particular type of cloth, and I would always enjoy taking that opportunity to do what I love. And that's just the hack I have, I think, because I I just don't really consider what I do as as work. I really in, enjoy what I'm doing. So if anything, what's been important for me is to, you know, take breaks, not because I get burnt out or I'm I'm tired. It's more to just have a little bit of balance. Um, so I've got two young daughters now. The oldest is five and a half and the youngest is four years old. And uh, you know, my wife's been pretty good at this and one of the reasons it's a it's a good family team is she sort of gets me to snap out of that work mode if 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 I didn't have the family stuff I, I think I would just be continuously working so I think as I said the hack is to really enjoy what you're doing and get pleasure in that then it doesn't feel like work so if you've if you've been able to get into that zone I think that's a special opportunity so g- given that you have a certain drive and you know, that you don't get burnt out and that kind of thing. Do you then try to build a team that operates at that sort of same dynamic as you? Or do you recognize that you might be different than everyone on your team and try to accommodate that? Well, let's put it this way. The the best things have happened when I found other people to work with who have had that other odd situation where they just get excited and turned on by you know doing the work and i think that's what you have to find if you want to build something great you've got to find other people like that and it's your job as the founder or ceo 
to locate these people and bring them on as teammates or founders. Uh, I think that's why having a founder is really important. I, I don't, you know, I'm a single founder, which I think it makes it a little bit harder to do that, maybe positive and negative. So yeah, you know, right now we've got a really strong leadership team and there's some, you know, particular folks on that team that I think have got a little bit of a drive like myself in the sense that we really believe we're changing an industry and uh, it, it's by choice that we're putting in nights and weekends. I think in terms of the rest of the team, what I focus on, and this has actually been quite relevant in COVID, is ownership. That's one of our most important values as a company. So it's less about FaceTime. It's less about, are we going to need to work in the office? It's more about, are you going to really enjoy doing this? And you know, you can do it from anywhere. You can do it at any time of night. You can do it in any way you want, but you're going to win. And trying to get all of that energy cycled into that. The biggest concerns I have are, you know, starting to become more corporate as we scale and, you know, have the inefficiency of people wanting to feel more like a job. The longer I can go that, you know, we can find crazy people who want to just do things on their own time, do things that they really want to do. I think that's that balance. Like if you can get that energy going, then it becomes less about trying to stand out from the team or the founder being different. It's more about getting that same vibe. And actually COVID I think has, has helped a little bit of that because we've said stuff like, look, if you want to work anywhere in the country, we're not going to go back till October 1st. And we've had people, you know, rent holiday houses. And I feel like the flexibility highlights the trust that we're putting in employees. It's almost like making everyone an entrepreneur. So do you have the concept of working hours for the team or it's more, you know, these are the projects and, and the goals and do what you have to do? I definitely want it to be more of that, um, taking the risk and figuring it out yourself. And yes, we don't have uh, specific hours and uh, the time zones have been blurred now. Um, like the all hands that we did this morning at 10 o'clock in the morning has all the India team dialed in and it's in the evening for them. And, you know, we have the folks in Seattle at seven in the morning for them. So it's been pretty exciting actually, as we've scaled, I've really enjoyed the new hiring that we've done. You know, we've, we've hired a lot of folks that we brought in from Amazon, which is a, a company that I think has gone through an interesting cycle of not being as entrepreneurial as it was 10 years ago. So you can kind of see those people that were there 10 years ago building the business and now it's become a little bit more corporate. So I, I can see that being a really important opportunity for us to try and target people who've who've got that type of work ethic, got that level of excitement that some of these incredible companies like Amazon did have. And maybe the cycle and the stage is now different. And there's just a lot of people out there who want to do that. And I think, you know, hopefully good things happen, you know, as we, as we get everyone pointing in the same direction with that type of mindset. You know, you mentioned that we are in a very different time between the pandemic and things going on, especially in America, uh, in the political conversation. Do you talk to the team at all about those things that are sort of happening outside work, but are affecting everyone? Yes. I mean, I think it would be naive and insensitive and poor leadership not to acknowledge acknowledge them, especially over the last month. You know, it feels like we've had three things all at once. It's, you know, Great Depression, 
global pandemic and then you know nationwide you know or even global race divide um mm. so we've you know been really interesting things to navigate through i think one of the most important things to think through has been what's our role you know what can we actually do and something that i focused on you know i think our role is is specific to our customers and specific to our industry and really trying to make sure that we acknowledge these you know really important things for example black lives matter is something that we you know we were very clear to stand together with but also carefully saying okay we're not just going to jump on that bandwagon and post on you know linkedin um, twitter or instagram or whatever it might be we're actually going to figure out how can we make an impact and you know we've set up a csr and DEI team. And, you know, that's something that we really want to get the team engaged on, but but not just to check a box, to actually do something, you know, whether that be helping entrepreneurs in, you know, less fortunate situations and so on. So we've been talking about them. I think there's just a lot of conversation out there, isn't there, in, in the media and whatnot. So, you know, maybe, and this is just being really transparent for the audience here, you know, I, I think I would say I've, I felt a bit of pressure to kind of go out and post stuff. And I just don't think that that's something that is my sort of personality. And I've felt that that's been a fine line to, you know, I've been worried, like if I, if I don't say anything and, you know, I'm, I'm not a CEO of a massive company by any means, but if I, if I don't go out and start, copying someone else am i now taking a stance in the other direction which of course i'm not and you know i think you know that's why the all hands meetings have been important and then having the conversation so we've done some really good town halls on this topic and i think it's worked out well and you know we've got the conversation going i i guess for the audience i felt a little bit more pressure than normal to but it's just so unexpected i mean when you when you can't prepare for this type of stuff and you weren't expecting to to do that and you're not a you're not a huge company that has maybe a PR team or a communications department and I think it was you know it's a pretty challenging time how have you tried to you know navigate or balance that drive and that push that you might have internally to keep productivity high and that kind of thing while also recognizing this is a really challenging time for maybe even some people more than others on the team yeah, it's a great question. I think it comes back to the role um, of, you know, what's our role? Where can we make an impact? But the more that you can align impact and making a difference with what you do, and I truly believe this, right? Like I truly believe e-commerce has no bias between religion, race, sexual preference, gender, and we help customers all around the world sell on Amazon, Walmart, and other platforms. And it's really cool that we do that because within our customer base, which is growing really rapidly, you've got these incredible stories. So I, I would love to create a situation where we can actually make a difference aligned with our day job and, you know, just focusing on that with the team, you know, focusing on, you know, how can we help people you know, because I was one of uh, one of the first Amazon sellers, and I started this company because I had a lot of the headaches that I know the sellers have. And our whole mission is to level the playing field and and give them the right software and 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 tools. So, I think what I've been trying to do is be careful about being insensitive. You know, especially when there's been so much focus on 
you know, Black Lives Matter, and and that's very important to mm-hmm. respect that that is the cause. But being excited actually of the possibilities of aligning it to what we do as a company. The other thing that relates to this is hiring. You know, one of the toughest things to do in Boston, and I'm sure you can appreciate this, Chad, is the diversity of high quality individuals in the tech space is tough to find. I think Thoughtbot, by the way, does specifically an incredible job of of hiring very diverse folks and and that's kind of this incredible thing that you guys have been able to do. I think it's just tough. So now with um, you know, the sort of remote hybrid that we've got, and even as we look at it in the future, I'm excited about opening hiring positions across the country and maybe even around the world. And imagine then what we can do in terms of diversity and inclusion from people from different locations who are just really talented and we can give them a, a, an opportunity. So that's what I feel personally. I have been careful, I think, to really try and get that sequenced in the right order, at least the communication, because I don't want it to come across like like I'm right. not re- respecting what's going on outside the office in the world and stuff. But uh, that's what I personally believe. I think we can actually make a difference and it's more than just posting on LinkedIn. Yeah, not not wanting to be seen or to actually be doing where you're essentially using this important movement, important cause as a marketing opportunity. Yeah, it's, I mean, really weird stuff. I mean, especially not growing up in the US. I've, I mean, I've learned a lot. Um, so we've been, uh, we've been learning. I think it's, you know, the world's going to be a better place. I mean, I think there's always room for improvement. So I am positive. I think the team's positive. You know, just to relate it back to the whole downtime and work-life balance, we've definitely heard from the team that the stresses of combination of COVID and, you know, the things that have been going on outside the office in early June, you know, it felt, you know, you, you, we, we have an anonymous Slack channel where, you know, fortunately we've hired a, a chief people officer and she joined, by the way, right at the beginning of when we went remote. So it was a very mm-hmm. interesting time for her to join and perhaps a great time for her to join. And, you know, we've got those messages coming in saying, you know, this is interesting. Like I've got too many meetings. I'm stressed about these events and so on. I feel better now. I think the continual sort of listening and adjustment and, you know, we've been telling people, you know, we have an unlimited vacation policy. And as long as we're hitting the numbers and, you know, we're producing the software and products, I mean, you've got flexibility. We trust you to manage your time. And I think, I think it's gone slightly better. The weather, the weather's improved in, you know, in the, in this area. So things have been relaxing a little bit. I feel like people have, you know, adapting quite well now. Well, thanks for sharing and also being, you know, transparent about how you approached talking about Black Lives Matter. And, you know, that's something Chad and I talk about. And I think it's, it's important to have these conversations out in the open, even if, part of that conversation is like, hey, this is really hard and we don't entirely know what we're doing, um, but this is what we're trying to do. And even just in doing that kind of making space for others to be having the same conversations and and moving each other forward inch by inch. Absolutely. We're going to take a quick break to tell you about today's sponsor, Scout APM. Scout APM is quickly becoming my go-to performance monitoring tool for Rails apps. 
I love opening it up to see a prioritized list of issues that I can quickly knock out before end users ever see them. With the weekly digest and alerts, I can rest easy knowing that Scout will let me know if issues arise. Ultimately, Scout APM empowers developers to spend more time building great products by minimizing the effort required to identify and resolve performance issues. Scout's developer-centric approach quickly pinpoints N plus one queries, memory bloat, and other abnormalities. Their tracing logic saves me a ton of time by tying bottlenecks back to the line of code causing the issue. Give Scout a try for free today, and you'll have the performance insights you've been dreaming of within four minutes. Sign up through scoutapm.com slash giantrobots, and Scout will donate $5 to the open source project of your choice when you deploy. Thanks again to Scout APM for sponsoring today's episode. So is there such a thing as a typical day in your life? Like, Is it an overall flow to your day? Yeah, there is. I, I guess I I would describe myself as someone who enjoys routine. I generally start pretty early and that's been one of the positives actually due to working remotely. Um, I was typically a pretty early start around five in the morning and then I either go running or work out for about an hour every day. And then, you know, when I was commuting in my door-to-door commute into the office, which was in Boston Seaport, and I'm in one of the suburbs outside of Boston, was approximately an hour. And I just got into a rhythm of doing that. And I had to because it was a train schedule, which required me to be pretty precise, you know, work out at the exact same time, do the exact same routine to get to work. And I feel like the exercise is, is really important. I mean, I've always felt that that's a holistic and important part of my life, being a former athlete. But I think as I've got older and related it to work, I think there's a level of active meditation uh, that I think that exercise creates. It also creates a sense of achievement and a little bit of a way to get away from devices. So that's really important to me. You know, if I haven't done that, I, I feel like my day's a little bit less mm-hmm. productive. Um, so that, 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 that's important. Interestingly, when I was competing, I always found it hard to work out in the morning, I mean, I just from a waking up perspective. But I mean, it, if it's less about extreme performance and output for the sports, it's more of a, as I said, active meditation. That's really important for me. You know, when I was working in the office, I'm pretty back to back, you know, I I don't really take any breaks um, because what I was wanting to do is get back on the train to get home. And I'm not someone who's enjoyed, you know, staying in the office late and uh, missing time with my family. So what I would do is get back home again, a one hour round trip, be able to have dinner with my kids and my wife. And then I would take responsibility for bathing the kids and reading them a story. And that's my home task every day. So I really enjoyed that. And then actually I would sort of pick back up with the work stuff and then end up uh, working maybe one or two more hours till about 10.30 and then wake up at five again. So it's very, not many windows of time. When you you add all of that together, there's literally no time. So having covid and remote has been a little bit more relaxing. Somehow I've just done the same thing though. I I, I really don't have any time 
So has your working time just expanded to fill that commute time? Yeah, I'm not waking up at five anymore. I'm waking up closer to six. I'm getting a Mm. little bit more time. I feel like I can be a better teammate at home with the family because one of the things that was challenging is coming in from the train. You know, typically the family's already having dinner and you're just, there is no kind of uh, warm up time. You're just straight back into family life. Now, Now I'm sort of taking a lunch break or at least grabbing some food. I don't really take a lunch break, but just grabbing some food and I see the family throughout the day. And I'm actually taking, you know, intermittently scheduling time to look after the kids and doing a bit of the home homeschooling stuff as well. So I think it's actually a better family dynamic. And I want to be conscious here of, you know, there's a there's a huge advantage. You know, I'm very fortunate that my wife's not working and I'm, you know, the one that's working. I, I really think just relating to the challenges of the team when there's been two parents working and we're asking them, to, you know, our employees to keep productive. Mm-hmm. I, I actually think to myself, how could that be possible? How would you be able to do that without school or a nanny or a au pair or whatever the home help? I mean, I, I so I just want to be uh, a little bit sensitive to that. I, I think you know we, we're very fortunate, but yeah, it's been a good. It's been pretty good. Um, I've been exercising, you know, same level, um, maybe even a bit more. Actually, my former teammates, you know, my I was captain of the track team at, at Harvard, and we did this across country race. So we we all ran virtually. We recorded our times on GPS and ran three thousand miles across the country. So that that actually created some fun camaraderie, things like that have been have been really fun. And then I've been working in the evenings as I normally do. And yeah, it's been good. You said earlier that you tend to run your schedule back to back. Is that mostly meetings or other things as well? Definitely during the day, it's meetings. And I think that's a key part of my job. You know, I've got seven direct reports. So that ends up being, you know, quite a number of meetings uh, team meetings, all hands, uh, etc. So the day is for the meetings, and I and I actually get most productive, creative time either early in the morning or in the evening. I think well, that's one of the big shifts. Actually, you know, if you looked at what I was doing maybe five years ago, I was doing a lot more of the doing. You know, that's individual contributor stuff like selling or designing the product itself or marketing. That's been the biggest difference for me is is shifting my energy around the meetings and helping design strategic planning and and delegating, and that's been nice. I mean, I'm I'm really enjoying that that shift. You know, some sometimes I do miss the doing part, and and maybe over the weekends, like I can sometimes I wake up a little bit earlier on the weekends to do some of that creative work. It, it could be testing a competitor's product or testing our product, giving our product team a hard time, telling them to try and use the, our product to sell on Amazon and say, hey guys, have you actually tried using this? It's, you know, this features crap or something like that. And I think if you go completely the other direction and you sort of don't have the level of detail and um, I, I like the chef analogy, like imagine if you were owning a restaurant and you didn't actually taste the food, you could get really off track very quickly so that worries me a little bit, actually. You know, <laughs> I think maybe a lot of founders have that feeling of, you know, as you start to scale, your teammates are telling you, delegate, delegate, delegate. You know, you should not be in the weeds. And actually, honestly, anytime I have listened to that, I felt like we've dropped a notch down. And I think you just need to get the balance right. I think it's really difficult to set a bar. You know, you just have to commit to excellence and 
you know, I, I have a particular focus on, you know, wanting the product to be good because I care about the end user so much. Yeah, when you mentioned earlier that you do work on the weekend, well, obviously you're not, probably not having meetings. I was curious what type of work that is. So it sounds like it's maybe getting in the weeds, some of that creative work, some unstructured stuff that you wouldn't be doing during the Monday to Friday. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think there's, if I look at where the companies, I felt lost a step, it's when I've not trusted my gut on how important some of those details in the weeds are. And I think just being really focused there, you basically need to be both, in my opinion. You need to be able to go into the weeds. You need to be able to really understand what you're doing, really, really understand it and be strategic. And I think that's probably one of the hardest calibrations to get right because, you know, you're going to be told by, you know, people on your team, maybe more senior people that you hire, why are you doing that? You know, you're micromanaging or et cetera, et cetera. And I just have committed now actually to just trust what I believe in and not care about that. And that's the part where I think really good things can happen, but it's tough because you'll actually have to brush up against the dynamics of having executives or more senior people who who might consider that as micromanagement. And I, and I, and I don't think there's a right or wrong answer for it. And I've just made that commitment to be like, I, I really don't care. Like, I'm just going to say what I think. And I just didn't do that, actually. As soon as in the early stages of us scaling and we were hiring more senior people, I, I'd never actually worked for anyone. I hadn't worked with senior people before. So I was trusting others. And I think we made some bad decisions, not because the people who I trusted were sort of intentionally doing anything wrong. I think you just lose touch of your core identity. You know, that that's something that's an observation and, and a commitment that I've made. I think it goes back to, you know, you talk about the passion that you have for the company and for the mission and why it's not draining to be working, you know, extra hours on it. And I think that's something that's common across founders or any company leaders that are passionate about what they're doing. Yeah. I think the hardest thing there is, you know, getting the right people to work with and setting a precedent as well. You can imagine how this can go really wrong. You know, let's say you raise money and you hire a load of executives and you delegate to those executives and then maybe you have a board as well. So you lose a little bit of control there. And then you start to trust people who are telling you, I know how to do this. And then there's sort of the identity of the company shifts and you make a few bets. And before you know it, you know, you burned half of the money, executives have got paid and, you know, there you go. You can see that pattern and it is very common. And on top of that, you need some luck and you need to actually have nailed the product and product market fit and, you know, all of those things as well. So it's really difficult trying to, to scale up. Um, obviously, the counter to that is if you're not a scalable CEO or a founder and you're completely in the weeds and you don't trust anyone and you try and do everything and you're just never strategic, you know, that won't work either. It sounds like what you're saying is that you found that you can't just simply delegate. <laughs> you need to accompany that delegation with education and working alongside of each other to instill sort of the values of your company and what you're hoping to do in the work itself. And if you don't do that, then 
things can get off track. Yeah, I think I might have mentioned this in one of the previous episodes, but I think it comes down to being open to coaching. You know, I've I joined a CEO forum over two and a half years ago. That was helpful. And I think what I've learned is there is a, you know, what you can almost call an operating system, right? To handle the issues that I'm just talking about, I would recommend being really good at or at least striving to design an operating system. So that might be one-on-one cadence with your leadership team or your colleagues or, you know, how are you setting quarterly goals? How are you setting um, objective you know, longer term goals and what are you using to communicate and create more sort of repeatability because you're going to have to manage people of different personalities, people who are at different levels in their lives or, you know, life just comes up, right? Like all these things that you have to manage. So I think a good, a healthy company is one that has those systems in place. And that's where I've been putting my energy. Um, And as I've learned, and this is just really a learning because I'm, you know, definitely not there yet, but, you know, incredible books out there like Organizational Health by Patrick Lencioni. And there's a whole sort of field of management sort of techniques and OKR setting. There's a great book, um, Measure What Matters. And, you know, these are all things that I think are absolutely essential to manage what we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. You almost separate the personal side from it then you can take away that, you know, potential stress where there's a, you know, highly passionate, opinionated founder and a maybe territorial, you know, executive or something like that. Like, you know, those things shouldn't matter if you've all got the same objective operating system to, you know, to focus on, for example, using OKRs to set quarterly goals. And that's been a big learning for me. You know, I didn't even know what those things were maybe three years ago. The more I interact with other successful, more successful founders or CEOs, the more you can see structure is important. Yeah. So you just had your big halftime show at the Takeometrics. Can you let us in on any of the the discussion that was had there around what does the second half of your year look like? Yeah. I mean, just to to relate this to our sort of operating system, we have a a quarterly kickoff that we're going to do on the on the 20th. So we stagger that back a little bit at at the beginning of each quarter. And then we're going through the review process now. So we're going to do kind of a really fun kickoff to get everyone pumped up and and pointing in the right direction towards common goals on, on the 20th. But we're sort of warming up to that with recaps from each department at the all-hands meetings. What's what's nice is looking back at the goals that we set and constantly and almost repetitively going back and saying, you know, this is what we did. We said we were going to do X and checking these things off. For example, Walmart is a really important initiative for us. Last year, we were only offering software for Amazon. Now we're offering software for Walmart and that was a big goal for us throughout the year. And, you know, we've just hit a big target for Q2. So celebrating that. And I, I think actually, and just to relate to what we, the way that we did it, which I'm really proud of is using people in the team to communicate that, especially important during COVID and, you know, everything's done via Zoom. You know, so I, I asked one of the directors of the services team to give an update today And it's really cool. You've got, you know, over 120 people dialed in and you've got, you know, someone who's 
really rising up the ranks with airtime talking proudly about the accomplishments. And that's the stuff that really can get people going, I think, is you know when you can build a team that is deep enough to be able to do that. And that's been nice you know, to get those types of people on, uh, on the team to, to be able to scale. In terms of the, you know, the rest of the year, I think we're in a great position. I mean, we're, we're really fortunate to be in an industry that is growing. I think our customers need us more than ever. So we're, we're being very optimistic for the rest of the year and it's more a case of planning. Product's a big part, you know, being a product-led company, really focusing on the roadmap and, you know, really trying to set the product, set the top line, you know, it's all cascades down from product. So we've got these, you know, new releases that we're doing and having those mapped to the go-to-market strategy. I mean, that's a big initiative for me. We have We have not nailed that. You know, we say that we're a product-led company, but I want to do really commit to that in a, in a big way. And product is the lifeblood and the heart of your entire business as a technology company. So, you know, getting that really, really central to the conversation and getting everyone mapping to those exciting releases and being on the same page is one of the biggest things that I'm focused on right now. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for your time. And uh, for stopping by this month and talking to us about uh, about the flow of your work and your life. Yeah, thanks for getting personal with us today. Yeah, and I just want to say, actually, in the spirit of going back to back, it's really nice to have these episodes with the both of you. It, it, you know, it's it's obviously you know a time commitment, but you know I don't get the chance to answer these types of questions, and you know it kind of relates actually to the importance of changing context and maybe getting to step back and think about the bigger picture that really helps it. It's really energizing. So I, I really appreciate it because if I'm just doing meetings about trying to hit the numbers or ship <laughs> the product for Q3, it, you know, that, that is when things get a little bit, not, not necessarily draining, but it's just nice to switch context. Mm-hmm. And, and that might be a really important takeaway, you know, for listeners to think about, you know, wh- who can you talk to that has an entirely different context, asking you different questions that are really important, maybe outside the company. So I really appreciate this opportunity, uh, both of you. Wonderful. Thank Thank you. You You can subscribe to the show and find notes for this episode at giantrobots.fm. If you have questions or comments, email us at hosts at giantrobots.fm. You can find me on Twitter at Lindsay3D. And me on Twitter at CPytel. This podcast is brought to you by ThoughtBot and produced and edited by Tom Obarski. Thanks for listening and see you next time. This podcast was brought to you by ThoughtBot. ThoughtBot is your expert design and development partner. Let's make your product and team a success.